Do I have permission to have a conversation with you about your love and sex lives? This is episode 12, live from the Touchpoint Town Hall in New York City. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast about love, sex, and identity in the modern world. I'm your host, Jared Matthew Weiss. Each week, I chat with an inspiring person that will help you expand your mind, open your heart, and give you one thing to think about on your journey towards great love. Thanks for hanging with me today. Here we go. So now that I asked that, I also want to say that I ask a lot of questions. And I may ask you a question that you don't want to answer. And at that point, even though you've already said yes, you can change your mind and say, actually, I don't want to answer that question. I'm good. Another thing you can do is if you decide you want to answer the question and you start talking, and in the middle of your sentence, you're like, wait, there's like 100 people here. I don't need everybody knowing this. Stop talking. You're fine. You could change your mind at any time. Word? Word. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm super excited to be here tonight. I think that, I think that uh, you all came, and I know there was no theme, uh, but it turned out that what we did was we put the word out and said, who has a good story to share? And we got tons of stories back. And the stories ended up having a theme. And the theme was first times. So we're here to talk about people's first experiences. Now, when I say first times, what words come up for you? Just shout them out when you know them. What words? Kiss. Kiss. What was it? Date. Date. Sex. Sex. Threesome. Threesome. (laughs) There we go. It's called raising the bar. It's called raising the bar. Okay. Okay. I heard. I heard. What was that? Okay. Okay. We're going to start with orgies. Just because, thank God you're here, oh, and you cool. could break you you break the ice for everybody. Oh, wow. So, 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 what is your name, my friend? Henry. Henry. Yeah. Henry, what brought you here today? Um, just, I'm just fascinated by the idea of just discussing sex openly. Yeah. 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 Me too. Have you discussed sex openly in your life with lots of people? Actually, no. Okay. Yeah, you I'm say that surprisingly. I'm surprised by that as well myself. Why yeah. do you think you're so surprised? Because I consider myself very open sexually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you said orgies. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's remember how this all started. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So when you say orgies, what what's going on? What what's coming up? Um, for me, it's about embracing the commonality and the oneness of, of us all. Okay. Yeah, I had a really um, enlightening orgy experience at Burning Man this year. Did you say an enlightening orgy experience? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, I love that. Actually, I was straight for a while, and I came out when I was 23. And then since then, I've been like mostly gay, but at Burning Man this year, I've had this like enlightening orgy experience. Yeah. What made it enlightening? It was very sensual. Yeah. And very, um, I don't know, it's enlightened. I will think about this more, and I have a story, but right now I don't have a story. Yet. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You just, just, I just called on you. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for um, doing that. Yeah, yeah. I think that, do you mind if I just, I have just a, one more question, though. Around. Yeah, please. So what is, was this your first, what you would call enlightening sexual experience? Because yes. what I would like to understand yeah. is the contrast between, mm. I feel like, if you've ever had a non-enlightening sexual experience, say word. <laughs> okay. So, 
We're all super clear on that. But now, mm. let's move over to the enlightening side. Mm. Like, what makes a sexual experience enlightening for you? You don't have to go into the details yeah. of who put their hands where, but like, you know what I mean? Like, what makes it enlightening? It's about just letting go of expectations and just embracing that moment. And before, I think up until that point, I always have a lot of thoughts in my head where I have sex. Mm -hmm. But at that moment, I just felt like if you just let go and just be with it, mm -hmm. just embrace it with all your senses, mm. all the six senses, mm. then you start to feel enlightened about it. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Thank God you're here. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, zero to orgies in 90 seconds. Um, well, you know, we have a lot of interesting stories that we brought in tonight around first times. Uh, I'm really excited about our first storyteller. Uh, our first storyteller is Alexandra, and she's just got an unbelievable story of the first time. I believe it's the first time you saw a penis or you touched a penis, <laughs> and the first time you experienced or received oral sex, right? That's what that story's yeah. about? Mm -hmm. So Alexandra, thank God you're here. Everybody, please put your hands together for Alexandra. <laughs> so Alexandra, why don't you tell us the story, and then I, I have lots of questions. Okay, I will say I was distracted thinking, maybe I should tell my Burning Man orgy enlightening experience. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, we're going to talk about <laughs> my first oral sex. Um, so I'm half Brazilian, my dad is from Brazil, and my parents got divorced when I was five, and I spent the summers with my dad in Brazil. So when I was 14, my dad was like, guess what, we're going to the Amazon. I was like, this is amazing. And he was like, it's gonna be me and 20 men in our 50s, and we're gonna go fishing. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was 14, I was like, this is the summer. Um, no, it wasn't my dream. But we got into the jungle, into the Amazon, and I was like, what am I going to do here? I do not want to go out fishing with all these old fogies. And then I saw him. <laughs> and he was a 17-year-old boy who just happened to be on this trip. And he was really dreamy. He's probably like six foot tall, had like a soccer player butt, had like kind of Leonardo DiCaprio 1996 hair. <laughs> And I was just like, okay. Um, and also, I will tell you that I was 14, I had braces, and I was wearing a really fashionable variety of umbros on this uh, trip. Um, and I didn't know how to quite uh, handle my hair in the jungle humidity. So um, he was looking good, I was looking something else. Uh, <laughs> But one night, I was with this other, um, a young woman who was like the daughter of someone who worked there. She happened to know this guy, and I was like, look, so I kind of want to like hook this up. And she was like, okay, great, great, I got this covered for you. And she was far more sexually experienced than me, so she was like, yeah, you definitely need to hook it up while you're here in the jungle in Brazil. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> so that night, we were all playing cards under this little pavilion in the middle of nowhere. And she was like, hey, go down by the river. I was like, what? She was like, take your flashlight, walk down by the river. And I was like, that sounds really creepy, slash we're in the middle of the jungle, but okay. <laughs> um, and I walked down by the river and there was a 17-year-old boy standing there and he grabbed me and we were standing on this rock and he just started kissing me. And I remember it was one of these moments where I am standing in the middle of the jungle, on the edge of this river, having maybe one of the most romantic moments of my life with this dreamboat. 
Um, so then I went back up to the pavilion. I'm like, my father, if he knew about this, he would fucking kill me. Uh, he was a very scary Brazilian man, still is. Um, so, but, but I was still like, I still want a little bit more. So, <laughs> um, so everyone went to sleep and I kind of hinted to him like, hey, like, <laughs> hi. Um, with my like frizzy hair and my braces and my umbros. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> everyone went to bed and he and I got in the hammock together. Now this was very bold. Like if my dad would have come out, like he would have pulled out the belt, you know, but I was willing to risk it, which felt really good. And, um, we got in the hammock together and immediately he pulled out his penis and I was just like, oh, okay. Like I had no idea what was going to happen and like, what was I supposed to do? And, um, we kissed for a while and then I was like, I got to get to bed. And at the moment that I was literally getting out of the hammock, my father came out of the room and was just like, Alexandra, Alexandra. And I was like, I'm here. <laughs> um, got into bed. And then the next day I was like, I still want more of that. Um, <laughs> So we got to, we, we had to take this trip and all of the whole fishing trip, we were all in cars and we were at this motel in the middle of nowhere in Brazil. And I was sharing a room with this woman or she was like, she was 15, she was not a woman yet. But she had a list of 100 people she'd given blowjobs to. So for some reason that equates to woman or something. Um, so we were in this room and I was like, can you go get him? Cause like, I wanna like, I want some more of that. And um, she was like, sure, sure. So she goes out into the lobby where he's watching television and she's like, hey, Pedrino, your mom's on the phone. And he's like, what? He's like, no, no, I'm just tell her I'll call her back later. Like, I'm, I'm on my dude fishing trip. She's like, no, your mom's on the phone. <laughs> and so she goes to bed and I'm sitting there and I'm like, is he gonna come? And he knocks on the door and he comes into the room and immediately like starts kissing me and pulls my little shorts down, my little cheerleading shorts or whatever, and starts going down on me. And I remember being like, this is a really weird feeling. It's the first time that someone's kind of scratchy tongue situation was there and I didn't really know how to react. Um, and then he pulled out his penis again and he started like kind of yelling something at me in Portuguese really passionately. He was just like saying this thing over and over in Portuguese. And I was like, I got not trying to understand what he was saying. <laughs> My 14 year old Portuguese did not under include <laughs> sexual languaging. So I mean, he just ran into the bathroom and I was just like, what just happened? And he came back out and was like, okay, good night. And the next day I told my friend Angela, I said, you know, it's going really well. And then he just ran to the bathroom and I don't know what happened. And he, he was like saying this thing again and again to me in Portuguese. She was like, what was he saying? And I was like, I said the thing. I was like, me faz goza, me faz goza. And she was like, she just started cracking up. And she was like, he was telling you to make him come, dummy. I, was like, I had no idea what that, what that looked like, meant, felt like. Um, but so, so we actually exchanged letters for off and on for two years after that. And the next summer I got busted by my dad for, and this time I looked really cute, had on cargo jeans, I remember. Um, <laughs> and I got busted by my dad. And then the next summer I came back and I had a boyfriend at the time. So we didn't like do the deed, but there was still a lot of juice between us. Uh, and today I looked him up on Facebook because I was like, when have I thought about this guy? It's been a long ass time. I'm 34 now. And lo and behold, he's still very attractive. Woo <laughs> 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 woo! Yeah. Wow. Alex.
Alexandra, you bring up a lot for me in that story. <laughs> um, how does it feel? I guess my first question is just how does it feel to share that? Oh, it's so group of innocent. People. I'm just like, I used to be so cute and innocent. I mean, I was also wanting more, and I was like, clearly like, ooh, like getting in touch with something. Yeah. But that 14-year-old, you know, yeah. it was Burning Man orgies from there. <laughs> That's a big jump. Um, um, well, so what's coming up? You know, as you all hear that story, what words are coming up for you as you hear that story in your own lives? Hammock. Hammock. What was that? Summer love. What else? Vacation. Who said vacation? Vacation? What's coming up for you around vacation? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I, I lost my virginity on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> the family vacation thing resonates. <laughs> you know. Okay. How, how old were you? I was 15. I was in Vegas. <laughs> uh, I, are you just like, is this just like some like alliteration thing? I lost my virginity on vacation in Vegas? In Vegas. <laughs> I've never thought of it like that, but it's... I was on Viagra? A lot of... I was... Yeah, no. Okay, I was so, ready to go. So you lost... So, so you say you lost your virginity in Vegas. How old were you? Uh, 15. It was a poolside cabana at the Luxor. And uh, <laughs> it was after hours, and we got caught very shortly after by the security guard. Okay. But it was a decent way to start off the whole sex <laughs> Okay, so as you reflect on your first time, like, what do you, I guess, what did that mean to you in terms of, you know, as you continue to explore your sexuality? For me, I, like, I, the first person I ever had sex with was, was a partner that I was madly in love with in high school. And I feel like that, that I think in some ways cultivated, you know, my path sexually. Um, it just taught me a lot about the way I interact, and, and so it was, really, it was really different than a lot of my friends who had very different experiences. So your experience in Vegas on vacation with your family, how do you feel like that entering into your sexuality that way, you know, what is, what, how did it impact you? I guess? So I remember uh, that I, had, I, had, I was a very principled 15-year-old, and I had three rules or three <laughs> things that I wanted to see. Uh, out of a potential first sexual partner. One was that they would be insanely beautiful, and then two, that it would be a fantastic story, and that three, uh, that they would be, you know, I would be madly in love, and it would be, you know, like a best friend. As you get older, you invert those, I think. Yeah. Is like the way well, I was basically like, <laughs> two out of three is good. Yeah. We can, we can get by on that. And, uh, and but, but I think that those are the two out of the three that, you know, you know are important when you. Yeah. Okay, all right, well, thank God you're here. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, what other words are coming up? What else is coming? What, what, what? Did you say summer camp? Oh my God, summer camp, okay. Anybody else have any words that are coming up? Did you say blue balls? I think we gotta go to Frank. Summer camp, we're gonna come right back to you. Frank. What what's up, man? <laughs> My man was trying to say make me make me nut, make me nut and uh, he ne he never he never got one off. You know? Right. Well I think he did. I think according <laughs> Oh Yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh Frank, what's gosh. going on for you around first? Around first? Yeah, first. Um I was twenty three. So it was three years ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so. And I did it without a, common, a condom and I came inside of her. That's a true story. 
And I was scared shitless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. A, so what happened after that? Um, uh, we've been dating for four years. Oh, <laughs> Almost four years. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for it. Okay, summer Almost camp. Years, yeah. Summer camp. I, I've got to talk to you just because, because I mean, I know you've got a raspy voice, so do don't feel like you have to shout. But I don't what happened at summer camp? Uh, I think for me, I was I was thinking of when you were talking about going down by like the water and like this romantic outdoor experience. And I feel like I had so much like I grew up going to this Quaker summer camp and I'm not Quaker, but um, everything was like outside all the time. And it was the first place where I feel felt like very like sexually free. And um, I like have a lot of memories of like kind of we would have these retreats over um, like the camp out, there was like one camp out that was the thing all the campers look forward to. Um, and like playing spin the bottle. My first kiss was spin the bottle in the nature center using the gerbil bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so that was what I thought of when you Okay, that. all right. Thank God you're here. All right, what other words are coming up? 60. 60. Who said that? <clears throat> okay, I'm so, oh my God, thank God you're here. All right, everybody, I'm just going to tell you a quick story to give you some context. So seven days ago, I was getting on the train at 34th Street and 7th Avenue, and I heard this, this voice of God that was singing Ed Sheeran. And I was like, voices of God sound like Ed Sheeran. Who is this voice? And it was this man that sang for us tonight, Vaughn. I heard him singing. And so I go up to Vaughn after he finishes singing his song, and I'm like, I need you to come to this thing that I throw, which by the way, it's very difficult to talk about this to people very quickly on the subway. <laughs> it's like, so it's like, you know, it's a lot of people, they're millennial, uh, it's cool. Um, I'm like, you know, I really want you to come to this thing. And he was like about to get into his next song. So he's like, you gotta talk to my dad. So I'm like, all right. So I go and I meet Coach. Coach Ted, and Coach Ted and I hug it out right there on the platform, and he's like, listen, you know, here's my information, stay in touch with me, and we'll make sure that Vaughn comes to your event. So everybody, Coach Ted is here. <laughs> so Coach, Coach, you say that, you said that you talked about 60. Um, yes, because 60 years old, my first love experience at 60. I had it at 50, 40, 20, 30, or whatever, but at 60. And um, I call it love experience because we didn't have sex. So, all right, coach, I mean, now I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say you had an experience, Vaughn, have you ever heard your dad talk about his sex life before? Uh, not at 60, no. Okay. <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I gotta say, listen, I've been doing this two and a half years. I've had 4,000 people sit in this circle. I haven't had a parent and a child yet. So here we go. So let's, so let's, stick, with, let's, stick, with, uh, let's stick with Coach Ted. So Coach Ted, what happened? What is the first Actually, thing? nothing happened. <laughs> okay, but so tell, no. us, tell us what happened. Well, what happened is uh, I learned very quickly uh, all those dynamic things that we talk about when we say there's a difference between making love and having sex. And um, what happened, Coach? So it was me and my wife. Okay, here we go. And um, of 40 years, 
and we just pretty much just touched each other uh -huh. and just touched each other more. Uh -huh. And I thought as that I was going to go further, but I actually enjoyed the experience of, of just touching each other. And that's why I said nothing for me. Yeah. And it became something because I was beginning to enjoy that we could be in a relationship. And I was like, wow, I'm looking forward to this type of relationship where we didn't have to have sex, but we could just touch each other. Wow. Coach Ted, what, what, what prompted this discovery at 60? Did you guys read a book? Did you watch a movie? Did uh, you read an well article? We do, I have books. Was Vaughn like, can you guys do something different? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. What, what? Well, we read a lot of books. I, I mean, we have, I've read books, Sex After 40, Sex After 50, <laughs> Sex After 60. <laughs> so, and I, I think it's important because if you, if you're gonna grow in the sex thing, it's not the same as when you was 14. And I, I can understand that feeling that you might have had, but 60 is on the other end of the spectrum now. So basically, and um, so the answer to your question, um, it, it, it just was different. And um, especially with my wife experiencing some of the things that she was experiencing as a woman and me learning to appreciate what she was experiencing over that time wow. was very big for me. And because uh, you know, when you talk about opening and closing, turn on the air conditioner, turn off the air conditioner, it's cold in here, it's hot in here, don't touch me. And then I, I, I went and I learned that when I felt the heat of her body, mm -hmm. that it was real. Mm -hmm. And that I needed to be able to love her differently than I would have if I was 30, because if I was 30 and she turned me off like that, men on pause, I would have had a fit. But I learned that, wow, my wife has, is having a, a challenge here, and I have to be a little bit more um, loving. Wow. 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 You know, I, I think that, um, I think that one of my hopes when we talk about firsts is that we have, we have more firsts in our future than we do in our past. And I think we, that's where we cultivate joy and, and, and real purpose, and it gives us a real meaning to keep going on. And you are such an inspiration. So thank you so much for sharing what you shared, man. I really, really appreciate that. So, so our next storyteller tonight is a robot um, <laughs> who I'm super excited about. Um, you know, it's funny, it's funny. We did our first recording in March of this experience because in February we did our first town hall of 2018 and after everybody left, we have a big me team meeting and somebody said, I think somebody recorded 
the experience. And I think they may have compromised the space. And I thought about it for a minute, and I said, there's really only one way to make sure nobody records it. Let's just record it ourselves, <laughs> and we'll have the better recording, and that's it. So, um, so I appreciate whichever robot just went off. Um, but if we'll have a good one, it'll come out on Monday. Um, <laughs> but our next storyteller uh, is, is Ryan. Ryan, where are you at? Hi. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Everybody put your hands together for Ryan. <laughs> so, so Ryan has a great story. Ryan's story is, is, you know, is about uh, your first sexual experience with a man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that you're here. So why don't you tell us what's going on? Vegas, baby. No. <laughs> um, no, uh, I grew up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, which, if you don't know, is a fairly conservative environment. Um, and I had had sex because you either have sex and do drugs or both at the same time. So I did those things only with women. Um, and I knew I was gay because you just know. Um, but that was like a year after Matthew Shepard's incident happened. So I was like, I'm gonna wait to come out of the closet until I'm as far away from here as possible. Um, so I did that. Um, and then I was also like, am I gay? And I was like, I'm not fully ready to come out of the closet until I've actually had a gay experience. I've like been gay. I'm not really gay yet, I guess. <laughs> um, so I kind of like sat with that. Like I told some closer friends that were like lesbians that I was gay, but like no one really knew besides that. Um, and I couldn't like wear that badge of honor. They call it like the gold star gay, where like you've never had sex with the opposite sex. I'd already like had that horrible experience. No offense <laughs> to the vaginas in the room. It just wasn't for me. Um, anyways, so fast forward to like middle of my freshman year. I had a fake ID um, because you have a fake ID if you go to school in Vegas. And I was at this like kind of, it wasn't a gay club. It was like a mi very mixed crowd. And I had my eye on this really adorable man, of course, because I was much younger than most people there. I was only 18. Um, but I, what I realized is that, like, in hindsight, is that we were both, like, bottoms, because I kind of swayed more to the bottoms, and I guess I had to clarify this. That means, like, in a gay relationship, there's a top, which is the inserter, and the bottom, which is the person that gets ucked, uh, or receives. That's a much nicer word. Um, <laughs> what was that word? Uh, receives. Receive, the receiver. She's whispering it in my ear, the receiver. I, I, have, I, I dabble in both these days, but um, uh, if you're interested. Um, so um, anyway, um, like I had my eye on this guy, but it wasn't that guy. It was like his older like Asian friend. And so we kind of hung out. We were kind of like, I was like, oh my God, am I going to do this? Oh my God. He's cute. Wasn't really what I was thinking, but okay. Um, and like a little bit of ecstasy later, um, some weed probably. Um, I was a mess. Um, and we ended up like kind of like, I think going to his car a little bit. There was a lot of car action in Vegas for me. It was okay. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, and we ended up like going 
to this there was a club at the basement of the Barbary Coast and I can't remember the life of me what it was called um, and we ended up doing I ended up having GHB for the first time in my life that night um, and I think the last time which is a good thing um, we ended up like fooling around in the bathroom there. I was like, oh my God, I'm gay. Um, <laughs> I can tell people. Um, and then we ended up like finishing, not finishing there, but going to like an arcade and for all of like you young children in the room. Um, back in the day, there were these like, when they still had DVDs, um, you would go to these like places to buy like sex toys and DVDs, and they'd have like these rooms in the back that you could watch videos. Um, I also I think that was the first time I ever watched gay porn was also that night, um, and the first time I was penetrated, and it was not for me. We did not use enough lube. Lubrication is really wonderful, people. Um, I take my word for it, and and I. I think we did end up finishing in his car, and then he drove me back to the dorms, and then I got to like come out to my friends, and they were like, we knew. <laughs> and <laughs> Everybody, and was, Ryan, Maury. Ryan, I have a lot of questions. Sure, go but for it. Their questions actually really centered around identity. I, um, I'm a straight white man in the United States. I've never been given anything but permission to be who I am. What did it feel like to get permission, even just from yourself, to just be who you are? I probably need therapy. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> um, no, it was, I don't know. Like, it was mostly a relief. Like, not only was I born and raised in Cheyenne, Wyoming, I was also born and raised Southern Baptist in Wyoming um, by, like, monogamous parents. My parents are still married to each other. So, Ugh, like, I had, like, <laughs> um, like, I had to, like, defy who I was thought I was raised to be, um, which, you know, took a lot of time. Like, it took 18 years, actually. So, I don't yeah. know, did I answer that question? Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, you know, your experience and your story is, is very moving on many levels. And um, I, I guess I'm wondering, you know, you talking about your, you know, the religious upbringing, but also like, you know, you reference, I'm glad you referenced Matthew Shepard because like, that's like a, that's a pretty traumatic event to, to witness, you know, to see something like that as a, as a young child growing up and, you know, seeing somebody who is openly identifying the way that you identify and them being murdered. And I guess that's just, that feels like, you know, for you to have the courage to really step out, um, it takes a lot. And I think it probably took a lot to maybe tell your parents, uh, unless they still don't know, at which point I hope they don't listen to Touchpoint. Uh, um, but, but what was that like? What was it like really opening up to your parents? That came a lot. My older sister is a lesbian, so, like, um, she came out before I did to them. 
Um, and I think my, I'm the youngest of four, and then my sister older than her kind of came out for me to my mom, I think, because she has a huge mouth. Um, <laughs> but so it, by the time I came out to my parents, I'd been out for like almost six years. And, and I introduced them to my boyfriend at the time, cause, and I thought he was gonna be like my husband and that didn't work out. But um, I also was like, you don't need to know who I'm fucking. Like, you need to know who I'm in love with, but we didn't talk about who we were having sex with, with in my family to this day. So um, I didn't think it was important for them to know my sexuality, even though it was really who is I'm defined, I'm not just defined by my sexuality, but it's a key factor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I told them when it was appropriate, I think, for me. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Thank well, God you're here. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. So what's coming up? Shout out the words, what, what you're feeling? What do you got? We know. We know, okay. What was it? Impaired judgment. Impaired judgment. What did you say? Car sex. Car sex. <laughs> okay. Any, anybody else? What was it? Freedom. Freedom. Okay. Shame. Who said shame? Hi. Hi. I would love to talk to you. Okay. What's your name? I'm Madeline. Madeline. How did you find your way here tonight? A friend recommended. I check it out. Okay. How do you feel so far? Great. Okay, good. So, Madeline, you said shame. Mm -hmm. What's coming up for you around shame? Well, I think it's interesting to hear someone speak about an experience in which uh, you want to, you know who you are, and yet you feel society isn't allowing you to explore that part of yourself, or you're not allowing yourself to explore that part. How does that relate to your life? Yeah, so for me, I always, <laughs> I joke that I was a sexy baby, but like I, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Just um, for the record, Madeline, we're always allowed to make those jokes about ourselves, no other babies. Okay, great. Um, so, so we're clear. Okay, but, so go on. Yeah, so I have a lot of early memories in which I was at maybe summer camp and I was wearing a tank top and I let it slide down because to me that was sexy and people told me to put that up. It's like, oh, okay, I guess to other people, I'm not allowed to be sexy. Again, I was seven, so they were probably kind of right in that moment, but you know, that set me up for feeling like I'm not allowed to explore this, or the people I have sex with, the people who I'm interested in, define me by the sex I have with them or my interaction. Anybody else who can relate to that say word? Word. Okay, Madeline, we're all here, go okay. on. Um, and so I think that, that has lasting impact, right? That's not something I was able to um, you know, get out of until I was a bit older, and it's something I still think I think about a lot, right? You know, what, sometimes I'm in a sexual experience now, and I think, what would nine-year-old me think? Nine-year-old me would be so excited. You know, the orgies I go to, they're, she'd be like, yeah, girl, get it. <laughs> but, you know, but 13-year-old me would feel like, are you being judged? And even to this day, I think, I'm very open about my sexuality, about sex, I, I'm all for it. But even having those conversations with family members, people who grew up in different times, people who aren't as um, open to those certain feelings can still be difficult. And while I'm, I don't care if they judge that for me, I can see that you know, there is a judgment placed on me just because I like one thing or another. 
I don't judge it. I think it's fun, and I'm going to continue doing it until the cows come home. But for them, it's it, it colors their opinion of me, and that's where I have an issue. Yeah. Um, that's where the shame, I think, still lives. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much mm -hmm. for sharing, Madeline. I really appreciate that. So there was somebody who said impaired judgment. Is that you? Yeah. Okay. Can I talk to you for a second? Of course. What yeah. is your name? Antoinette. Antoinette, okay, <laughs> like I love that name. <laughs> so I have a very close friend named Antoinette who's changed my life, so I'm so happy oh, awesome. to hear that name. So, so Antoinette, what's coming up around impaired judgment? Yeah, I think um, the references to drugs and how that contributed to some of um, your beautiful story sort of uh, triggered something in me about my experiences and how the inhibition can be removed with like a little bit of liquid courage a little bit of weed, a little bit of other stuff, and um, how that's colored most of my sex experience. And so I think uh, it just brought up some memories of experience that I had where I wanted to do it, I wanted to love it and enjoy it, but felt the need to sort of release some inhibitions by like using a third party, if you will, so drinking or smoking. And it's opened up some great experiences, but I also wonder how much of it would have I explored if I did it sober. Would I have fully allowed myself to enjoy it? Would I have shied away from it? And the answer is probably the latter. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so, so, um, so is there an experience that comes to mind that you really, uh, um, that's coming up Yeah, to so a couple months ago, I had my first five-person orgy, and... This has got to be like AP <laughs> touch point. <laughs> this is like advanced placement touch point. I'm thinking that there's even like, I mean, it's, there's a statistical possibility that many of the people in this room have actually slept together. <laughs> which is great, which is great, which is great, which is great. Okay, so I'm just, I, I, okay, okay. Yeah. So your first five person. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I'm like it, the most basic bitch <laughs> over here. <laughs> I've like only had sex with one person at a time. I'm like a muggle. It's like I'm Buddhism and BDSL. I'm like, what? <laughs> this is so good. Okay, so your yeah. first five person. First five person. Um, to overly complicate it, it was also like my first year of doing polyamory, and then also the first time I had sex with a woman. So it was a series of emotions and experiences, and I was very drunk when I did it, um, and I regret it a little bit because I woke up with like some faded memories, had to pull pieces together. And like, I don't know what the etiquette is on recapping an orgy, but um, it's. <laughs> um, yeah, is there like a day after email? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, hey, thanks for coming last night. Yeah. So what happened at like 10 p.m.? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that's the only thing is I, I want to have really honest experiences with people. And um, I do think I, I believe that our, you know, our drunk thoughts are just like how we feel sober, but we sometimes release them. That's at least my general sort of theory for myself. And so I feel a little bit of shame associated with like, why couldn't I just do this sober? Because mm. I did want to do it, yeah. um, but I needed something extra to get there. So yeah. that's been something I work on. Wow. Every okay. Day. Yeah. All right. Well, Antoinette, thank God right. you're here. Thank you so much for sharing that. So, so. Our third storyteller tonight, I'm very excited. Antoinette, you just like teed it up so perfectly. <laughs> uh, this is her second time making an appearance at the Touchpoint Town Hall. Her name is Tiana. Tiana, where are you, my love? Hi. <laughs> Tiana, everybody, please put your hands together for Tiana. <laughs> so, so Tiana has a story to share about the first time she gave group sex <laughs> as a gift. <laughs> 
Take it away. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm also polyamorous, and I have a beautiful primary partner. And for his 41st birthday, um, started out kind of as a joke of like, ha, 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 wouldn't it be great if you and my other three partners, uh, you know, we all did something for my birthday. And I was like, that actually sounds awesome. Let's do that. Um, and at this time, we've only been friendly with each other, not sexual with each other. Um, and we just wanted to, to be open-ended to see what the night would lead to. And so after we sang happy birthday and blew out candles, uh, we went around the room and each said something meaningful about why we love him, why he's important to us, and then him being him then went around the room and said the same to each of us of why we're important and how much we're you know, uh, special to his life. Um, so after these beautiful words were said, uh, I then gave him my extra gift, which was a lovely flogger. And <laughs> we then took- Did you say turn a flogger? A flogger, yes. Forgive me, what is a flogger? Uh, a flogger is basically, um, it has a handle, uh, could be leather or metal, and then it has multiple tails of leather. Um, and then the tails can be of different materials, um, they, depending on uh, how intense you want the experience to be. Um, okay. So we took turns giving him birthday licks. Um, <laughs> and then he then gave us a little taste of the flogger, um, depending on how much we wanted the intensity. Um, and after we did that, we then created a love circle um, on the bed. And so we took turns having each person be the center and ask for what they wanted from everyone else, um, and especially what they did not want. So how they would like to be touched, what kind of toys we had on display as options, um, and then any zones that they don't want stimulated. Um, everybody was game with everything, so it was actually very beautiful. <laughs> um, and we were actually able to make each other orgasm um, in a very lovely way uh, as we took turns, and each person got two minutes. The birthday boy got four. <laughs> and then it, uh, because of the beautiful container we had created after that, point we then just started taking turns with each other in different ways and with him um, and the night sort of progressed um, until the dawn um, until we all just kind of fell asleep in each other's arms um, in like puppy pile kind of way um, this then led to another experience that I had with a, a dear friend of mine who's kind of like my partner, but low-key not my partner. We're worried about labels. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she has an amazing, lovely male partner. And so we gathered all of our female friends to then share another similar experience with him. And this time, I wanted to do it a bit differently. And so I created uh, a position that I coined the starfish, where the gentleman is on his back, and he has a lady on his face, and then someone is riding his cock. And then one lady is on one hand, another the other hand. And then the last two ladies are on each leg or foot, depending on how much stimulation they wanted themselves and so the guy is just kind of spread out and just a taking giving receiving and we're all interacting with each other <laughs> so, so. I just want to say for the record that damn came from our resident sex educator <laughs> So 
the beauty of both of these experiences, um, these uh, first in different ways for me, um, was that I, was, I realized I love cultivating uh, lasting memories for people that I care about, and I want to continue doing that, whether that's in the bedroom or outside the bedroom. Um, but I just always wanted to make sure that whatever memory that I make with the people that I care about, that they are intense and they're meaningful. Everybody, Tiana. Okay, Tiana, so many things. <laughs> I think that, you know, the reason why I was so, I was really so taken by your story was because of the assumptions, I think. I think when I stepped into Touchpoint years ago, I think I had, and I think many people who are here tonight probably still have, around things like group sex, non-monogamy, right, polyamory, any of these things. Definitely starfish have been completely reimagined for all <laughs> of us. <laughs> but what's so amazing is that I think often there's a lot of stereotypes around, you know, practices of non-monogamy or threesomes or anything is that they're like these visceral, like, like, like we're almost just acting out of pure carnal desire and we have no control and everybody's sleeping with everybody and it's just like there's no, love is just not even a thing that we can think of, that love is a monogamous gesture, that group sex is for people who just are, have way too many hormones. <laughs> and I think that like, and I think that. That may be a little true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else who feels that way, say word. Word. Okay, cool. So like. That's cool. I get that's a low-key word, like, <laughs> but I know I'm not the only one. Okay, so like, but your story is like, you really, it's so thoughtful, and it's so intentional, and it's so beautiful, and it's the way that you choose to practice your relationship and how you express your sexuality and how you've created a community of people that want to do that too. And I got to tell you, like, I don't see a lot of relationships, even if, they're, if they, they, they do all the, the normative things, right? They're heteronormative and monogonormative and cisnormative and all the things, and they, they don't cultivate that same level of intention, that same level of thoughtfulness. And so I think that it's, it's just so beautiful, the the way that you can share something like that in a way that actually offers many of us like a, such a window into how we can show up in our relationships regardless of what the format is, regardless of who or how many people we're having sex with. And so I just want to thank you first for like really setting the bar there and, and saying the things that you've said because I, it's, I find myself very inspired. I have a lot to learn from you. Um, my question is, how the hell did you get this way? <laughs> how, what? What was your journey? Was, was love and sex always an intentional exercise for you? Was it always such an intentional practice and expression? Mm. Or was there a pivotal moment where, you know, because you were probably, I don't know, I don't know, maybe were you, were you raised in the same monogonormative society that I was, where I was, you know, right? So, mm -hmm. so there was a transitional moment for you. But I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk about the transition into non-monogamy or any of that. I want to know about the moment where this became an intentional thing, where it mm -hmm. became thoughtful, where we're doing a sharing circle, and mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's actual love. Mm -hmm. When did that happen? Yes, um, I could relate to uh, the lovely woman who spoke about uh, Antoinette. Antoinette. Thank you. Yes, yeah. um, about uh, being under the influence. And for me, that was part of my beginning of my journey. And then I needed less of that 
and then I realized, oh, I'm having better experiences or more intense. And the more I realized I want to not just be wild slutty, but I want to be slutty for very specific people in very specific <laughs> situations and really let them have it all and express myself fully. Um, and so then I realized like, oh, I just, I just need a little Red Bull to make sure I can, <laughs> you know, stay up through the night and otherwise, like, I'm good to go. Mm. Um, and stretching. Stretching is very important for orgies, anybody? <laughs> just a uh, side note, you're going to prepare, hydrate and stretch. <laughs> it is physical activity. Um, but, yeah, I think it just made me realize that um, I wanted to go deeper with the people that I had surrounded myself with and then I could open up more and then more creative ideas, you know, would flurry as we were talking about it and you can totally have a post-sex orgy wrap-up like chat with your people that's amazing actually be like and you did that and we touched here and we did this like that's like my favorite part is being able to like like yeah we did those things <laughs> when are we going to do this again <laughs> like, yeah so. you need you need to get on slack you know? <laughs> 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 <Yes>. <laughs> did you read a book was there a pivotal moment where you, you found a book, you know, people share off and they read, listen to a podcast, they watch the TED Talk, there was a book, there was a person? Uh, there was a person. She is sitting across from me. Oh, actually. thank God. Yes. Okay, okay, Dr. good, good, Shana good. Shana was part of my journey for sure. I went to her squirting workshop. <laughs> and then many others after that, and I just became addicted to her. Um, and then I read Slut, um, uh, Ethical Slut mm -hmm. is an amazing book. Um, and then I just started uh, listening to the audiobook of More Than Two, um, which is about alternative relationships mm. and polyamorous okay. um, lifestyle. And so, yes, now it's just more about going to different meetups and talking to people that are doing it and living it and breathing it and learning from them and what sharing. Is uh, alternative relationship styles. Cool. I don't. I like to. I don't like to just say polyamory because yeah, I feel like sure. it. It applies to every kind of whatever you need out of your relationship. Yeah. That's what you cultivate. Thank God for you, <laughs> Tiana. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> so, was it was it Henry? Was it? It was Henry. I think that's an enlightened orgy. Yeah. <laughs> That's an enlightened orgy. That's that's definitely it. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So so, I know one thing I'm super excited about is this gentleman who received this birthday gift, right? This 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 human that can balance five other partners at the same time, <laughs> right? There's like all these dudes reading. She comes first, being like, "How do I just handle one partner? <laughs> I can't even make her." Okay, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and there's this guy that's out there with five humans, <laughs> and they're celebrating him, and he's and he and I'm so excited because he's here. <laughs> Lee, where are you, Lee? Hi, Lee. Okay. Everybody, oh. say hi to Lee. Hi, Lee. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? James is the birthday boy. Oh, James! But we got yes. James! But we also have Lee, who's the starfish. So <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait. We got Lee and we got James. James, I'm going to go first. Okay. 
Okay, 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 let's bring it down. Let's bring it down, let's bring it down. We have two humans that we need to chat with. You're James? No, I'm James. Okay. That's me. Okay, yes. okay. You're the starfish? No, that's You're the starfish. <laughs> this is good. I'm, I juggle lots of relationships. You juggle lots of relationships. Yes, successfully. Somehow. Right, okay, okay. But you're, gonna, right. you're, like, you're like, I'm not the starfish. Um, I mean, you know. I know. In <laughs> the future, yeah, listen, in due time. <laughs> Anyways. In due time. We're about to get a, 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 a lesson in a second. So, so, so this was your birthday. Yeah. What did the other people do for you for your birthday? What, 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 wait, whatever people. Well, I don't know, other friends. I mean, I guess it's like, it's like, have you ever had a birthday present like this before? No, 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 Gee, not even close. I mean, it sounds no. pretty unbelievable. One for the record books, for yeah. sure. One yes. for the, I mean, yes. I don't know how, I don't know what next birthday looks like, but there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> a lot of pressure. It's like when my nephew was five, I bought him this, uh, this car. He was so excited, this electric car. He was driving, it was like life-size. And I was like, I'm done forever. I don't know how to top this. <laughs> I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So your experience, you walk in, she's like, happy birthday. All your partners are here. We're going to have this experience. I was, it was at my place. So everybody came to Everybody came me. to you. Yeah. How did, how did you, how did you feel? How would you, how were you feeling was, about it? I mean, honestly, it, you know, um, it was obviously amazing, but there were moments of feeling like a little overwhelmed, a little nervous, you know? I mean, <laughs> you know, I've definitely had my fair share of threesomes, and that, that seems fine, but I was like, hmm, Marvin, two, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm usually good for three shots. I don't know. Is this Marvin that? Were you concerned <laughs> that, like, were you concerned? Do you feel a pressure when you're in, like, a situation like that to, like, make sure that everybody <laughs> is satisfied and satiated? Like, as a, as, as, I mean, it seems like you identify as a man, yeah. and we have a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on men to always be ready sexually, to always want sex all the time, right? That's a, that's a big part of the narrative. So you're there. It's your birthday. You're being recognized. Do you feel pressure to be like, I have to show up now for all of these partners? I mean, there's lots of ways you can show up. I mean, I was honest that I was nervous. Um, but, I mean, just, I don't know. As the night went on, just got more comfortable, and things yeah. kind of worked themselves out. Yeah. It helps. I'm a massage therapist. I'm very good with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank God you're here. Thank you so much. Happy birthday. Starfish. Hi. Starfish, I just want to know. <laughs> I mean, Starfish. Did you ever think you were going to be sitting in a room of 100 people not and somebody was going to ask you? I thought that was happening. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I feel like you're just taking this in right now, being like, wow. Okay, so Starfish, you, is this person who's sitting with you your partner? Yes. Okay, was she one of the part? Yes. Was she part oh, she was part of it. I'm yes. the apparent partner, not partner. Oh, the apparent partner, not partner. This is unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, okay, all right. So you're the apparent partner, not partner. So have you ever experienced anything like this, Starfish? No, that was the first. Uh, well, to be 100% honest, we didn't get it was talked about but we didn't I thought it was a little bit too overwhelming for me so I didn't we didn't get to the starfish we did a lot of other things in the uh in in the situation but the starfish was definitely uh something they put on the table and was like I was like all right I was down for it but it uh just never really got to getting tied up like yeah that, you know? yeah so 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 how are you around talking about your sexuality I mean you might be 
probably the most sophisticated sexual being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> you know? I mean, you might be. I don't know. So how do you, you know, is this something that you talk openly about? Like, do you go back to your friends and say, oh, man. like, No, they couldn't understand that. They couldn't understand No. That. So who do you talk to about this kind of stuff? And how do you have friends that don't understand this? Uh, because uh, most of my guy friends would look at it from a whole different point of view in kind of like a, lack of a better word, perverted way. So they wouldn't really understand it. They'd be like, oh, how to get into the next one, and it wasn't that type of How thing. do I get into the next yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Right. So tell me how you look at it. Uh, I would look at it more of a, a sharing of energy more than, more than anything. Like, it's kind of like what James is saying. Nothing really has to happen in order for it to be a great time. Like, it's, we're all there for the same reason, all there to have a good time, all there, because we enjoy the people that we're spending the time with. So that's really kind of, even kind of going on what he was saying earlier, like, it's just really that type of sharing of uh, emotions that's really the biggest thing. How did you, how did you learn this? How did you? How did I you, didn't know did I you could do it until it happened. <laughs> well, not specifically about the starfish. Right. <laughs> you and I are going to have our own one-on-one -on -one time <laughs> to really talk it out. I'm going to want to. Uh, we'll bring graph paper. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, like your approach, right, is so thoughtful, you know, and and it's so intentional and it's so energetically woke. Right. How the hell did you get there? It didn't do me any good just going for self. And how long were you doing that? My teenage years, that didn't work out too well. What happened? Uh, you, just, you just didn't feel like the situation ended good. You know what I mean? Like you just felt like I walked away with I got something, but she didn't really get anything. So like, that's so was there a book? Was deal. there something? Was there a shepherd? Was there like a college no, roommate? No, just more of, a, more of how I am. I just, I, you know, I'm, I like to keep it fair. What do you do for a living? Uh, <laughs> this question. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Um, um, I think that I'm really grateful that you're here. I find your story to be fantastic. All of you. I had no idea the whole crew was coming. <laughs> I was coming to support it. And, and, and That's how it always starts. That's how it starts. But. Thank God you guys are here. Everybody, a round of applause for their entire family. Okay, so what words are coming up now? Compersion. What, what? Compersion. Compersion. What else? Safety. Scary. Oh my. Consciousness. Consciousness. Tender. Oh my God, listen to these words. They're so good. Somebody said compersion. Okay, so we're going to talk to you. What's your name? Lila. Lila. Okay, so I love this word. I'm glad that you brought it up. It fascinated me when I learned it. Tell us about compersion. By the oh. way, anybody who's never heard the word compersion, say word. Word. Lila. Compersion is sort of the inverse of schadenfreude, where you feel joy at someone's misery. In a compersious experience, you feel joy for somebody's joy. And it's usually a partner, and it's usually their sexual experience that's bringing you joy, or witnessing them receive sexual pleasure bringing you joy. And I used to hate the word, because I thought it sounded like a Persian cat with lots of hairs in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 
I've, it's grown on me, but it, it's, <laughs> it was started in the 70s in the Carista Commune. So, it, you know, it comes from, it comes from the bell bottoms and, and I think it's really sweet. I think it's really sweet and I don't find, I'm not sure that I have a great capacity for compersion. So I also, when you were like, how the fuck did you get this way? This is one of my best friends. I also wonder, how the fuck did she get this way? <laughs> I, I'm always amazed that, that she feels that, that she genuinely yeah. feels that. She doesn't have to try to work against her jealousy, which is what I always have to do to try and feel joy for an experience that somebody else, like I want them to, I have to logic myself into it. Like I want them to feel good and they're feeling good flirting with that other person and that feels bad to me, yeah. but I care for their happy, I want for their happiness. Anybody right? else have who's ever like been there, say word. <laughs> oh man, we know what you mean. We got it, yeah, I feel you. I and I feel you. like I should be a, a beyond it too because I live in this sex positive community and I'm around all these polyamorous people and I'm just not, I'm just a jealous person. All right, thank God. Everybody, please, Lila, give her a round of applause. I mean, you know, somebody over here said consciousness. There was a word, somebody said consciousness. Tenderness, Tenderness but somebody said consciousness. Right here, right. Oh, literally right next door yeah. to you. Okay, great. Hi. Hi. What, what's your name? Jean. Jean? Mm -hmm. Jean, Jean. What it, when you say consciousness, what, what's coming up? Um... So it's really a lot of brain consciousness like you have in meditation, but brain to love and sex life. How does that apply? Where are you, do you feel like you have a conscious love and sex life? I definitely went through that journey, yeah. Well, you have, you've been through a journey where you've yeah. had, okay, well, uh, can you tell us about um, what that's like for you? So I can describe as when I had more consciousness in my love and sex life, I feel like my, I'm more selective, but also not select, expanded in the same time. So I'm more selective with people which I can share experience-wise energ energetically. And uh, expanded means my traditional filtering melted away. Mm. It's not like I filter people who I can hang out with or I love and have sex with, like based on traditional criteria I had before, like based on book, you know, look, <laughs> book or look. <laughs> so it's more about like energy, like do we share, do we have a deep connection? Do we share the consciousness? Do we really have um, the attention yeah. to our love and uh, to the compassion, you know, yeah. to human being? So Great. by that, uh, while I was doing the whole, while on the journey, I realized, well, I have the capacity to love more people and uh, to expand my sexual experience without feeling that much burden or judgment. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I really, really appreciate that. So, so um, I would really love to take a minute and chat with you. Jana. Um, everybody, this is Dr. Jana. She is our uh, sex educator in residence here at Touchpoint. Please give her a round of applause. So, so
so Jonah, we've talked about a lot of things tonight, you know, a lot of, you know, the first time oral sex, first time exploring a same-sex relationship, the first time, you know, exploring, like, a group sex dynamic and these types of things. So Jana is just a, uh, she's a, a, a professor at NYU, she's a scientist, uh, and she's really one of the foremost thought leaders in the space of just human sexuality. And so Jana, just, if you could just take a couple minutes to just tell us, just drop some knowledge on us around these things, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, Jared. Yeah, uh, so many things came up, and I, I, I probably won't be able to say everything I want to say, but uh, I, I'm going to try and kind of connect with the different things that that came up and try to give some knowledge as opposed to you know whatever the personal experiences uh, are. So I think there's something really special. I mean, there is definitely something really special about first times, first experiences, because they for for several reasons, and we they, they stand out. So very often you get people telling and wanting to tell and asking about and and uh, remembering their first times. <clears throat> And there's the primacy effect, right? The, the us remembering things that happened first. Also, there's a recency effect. We remember the things that came either first or last, and so th that's one of the, the reasons. But mm. then also, when it comes to sexuality, the first experiences, especially if they're good, first good experiences, uh, they they provide a reward to our brains like nothing ever has before. Like that's such a big shot of cocaine in your and and then and then heroin in, in into your brain <laughs> that because of that anticipation of the reward coming and then the endorphins that are so these are the endogenous versions the, the, your brain's own versions of cocaine and then and then opiates morphine you know if you don't like heroin the heroin idea uh, <laughs> but the right these are all really good field chemicals that are then associated so with that first experience and you're much more likely to remember it because it has such a strong reward uh, associated with it. And uh, what Jared mentioned something earlier that it might set you on a certain path, that first experience, and it does to some extent, especially, again, if it's uh, correlated or, or associated with a really good positive experience, we are very likely to, or sometimes not, this obviously doesn't happen always, but we do tend to then associate whatever the characteristics of that partner was, of that situ situation was, of that environment was, with some of those positive feelings that we experience. And so going forward, you might, it, it might to some extent shape your preference, uh, preferences around the kinds of partners you want or the kinds of sex you want or the kinds of environments that um, you want. Wow, so if we so if I have a really good sexual experience with a type of person, then that's the type of person that I look for essentially. Yeah, uh, it's it's not that black or white. It's not that strong necessarily, yeah. but there is some research showing that say uh, the the many people's prototype of their ideal partner has some characteristics to the partner that they had their first amazing sexual experience with. Oh. Not all, not everybody, obviously, this is all, you know, some, some general patterns. There are v many exceptions from that mm -hmm. rule, but for some people, this might happen. It, mm. it, it, it can be in a, a process that happens. Mm -hmm. um, another thing I, I wanted to mention, uh, Ryan's story with, with his uh, first gay experience, those can stand out even more and play a specific role, as he talked about, in, in um, confirming your identity. And for when, when your identity or sexual identity is something other than the norm, then that becomes really important. And there's, there's a lot of research in the 70s and 80s for, for gay folks coming out, <clears throat> looking at their coming out process, at their identity development process. And they were finding that most gay men at the time wouldn't even identify as gay until they had their first experience, as if that was something that 
you know, confirmed and solidified that, and then they would identify as gay. Now, now we don't see that as often because now, as being gay becomes more and more okay to, in more and more environments, there are many more people who are kind, kind of coming to terms with their identity without having that gay sex to confirm it. I mean, it's always you know, nice and confirming when it does happen, but often you don't need it, right? Uh, but still, people who grew up in a similar environment like, like you, know, you did in a, in a conservative area where that was not okay, that is still this really big, um, hmm. big con yeah, I I important piece of the identity development process. Hmm. Do I have more time? You could have like another minute, I think. It's pretty solid. Can I have yeah. another minute? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about something that came up from coach and sexuality in older age or jealousy and compersion? I you, don't know. You Ask them. Huh? Do you guys, guys want to talk about jealousy or do you want to talk <laughs> about sex later in life? Jealousy. Okay. Jealousy. <laughs> this is a very, listen, this is a, this is a very YOLO crowd. Okay, so, so, uh, okay, so, so tell, us, uh, tell us something about You'll jealousy. You'll see in like 30 Donna. years. You'll yeah. see what you're going to want to talk about. Sure. Uh, so, so obviously Lila's... Uh, story about herself uh, brought this up jealousy is there's a thing called dispositional jealousy like we are it's a trait so you can think of it as a reaction in the moment to a trigger that is going to trigger jealousy but we differ as humans on this trait with just like we differ on I don't know extroversion or whatever and so some people are very very jealous some people are and some people are very kind of not jealous and many people are somewhere in between and there is a lot of um, sort of stereotypes or misconceptions in the poly open community that if you are at any level jealous, then you can't possibly have some sort of an open relationship. And that's not necessarily true. Of course, the less jealous you are dispositionally, the easier it's going to get and the easier you might be able to feel this compersion. And compersion, as, as Lyle was talking about, is joy, right, about your partner experiencing something joyful, sexually speaking. Uh, but you can also have a sexual component, like it turns you on. It doesn't have to have it, but it can. And so that obviously is an additional, like, oh my god, this is amazing, right? Uh, the, the total opposite of jealousy. But um, many, people, many people who do have some level of open relationships don't necessarily feel compersion. They don't necessarily have super low levels of jealousy. They do have lower level levels overall compared to people who have monogamous relationships, but they're not, they're not zero, that's for sure. And now, that's not to say that it's, I mean, it, the, for the people who do have some uh, higher or some medium level of jealousy, then you do have to do those cognitive kinds of processes or, 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 or negotiations with yourself because you've decided that this is the path that you want to take, therefore you have to suppress, you have to distract yourself from it, you have to do whatever it is that you need to do to deal with your own emotion while you allow your partner to have the experiences that you've decided you want to allow them to have. But it's certainly easier if you can be like Tiana, be like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, Dr. Jana, right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Touchpoint. You can learn more about us at lovetouchpoint.com and follow us on Instagram at, at lovetouchpoint. Have an inspired day, and we'll see you next week.